0: Chapter 86 of Thomas Swinfold Curate This is a LibriVox recording All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org Thomas Swinfold Curate by George MacDonald Chapter 86 Rachel and Leopold Every day after this so long as the weather continued warm It was Leopold's desire to be carried out to the meadow once at his earnest petition Instead of setting him down in the usual place They went on with him into the park, but he soon wished to be taken back to the meadow he didn't like the trees to come between him and his bed they made him feel like a rabbit that was too far from its hole. He said, and he was never tempted to try it again. Regularly too, every day, about one o'clock, the gnome-like form of the gatekeeper would issue from the little door in the park fence, and come marching across the grass towards Leopold's chair. Which was set near the small clump of trees already mentioned. The curate was almost always there, not talking much to the invalid, but letting him know every now and then, by some little attention or word, or merely by showing himself, that he was near. Sometimes he would take refuge from the heat, which the Indian never felt too great, amongst the trees. And there would generally be thinking out what he wanted to say to his people the next Sunday. One thing he found strange and could not satisfy himself concerning, namely that although his mind was so much occupied with Ellen that he often seemed unable to think consecutively upon any subject, he could always foresee his sermon best when Seated behind one of the trees, he could, by moving his head, see her at work beside Leopold's chair. But the thing that did carry him through became clear enough to him afterwards. His faith in God was all the time growing, and that through what seemed at the time only a succession of interruptions. Nothing is so ruinous to progress in which effort is needful as satisfaction with apparent achievement that ever sounds a heart But Winfall's experience was that no sooner did he set his foot on the lowest hillock of self-congratulation than some fresh difficulty came that threw him prostrate, and he rose again only. In the strength of the necessity for deepening and broadening his foundations, that he might build yet higher, trust yet farther. That was the only way not to lose everything. He was gradually learning that his faith must be an absolute one, claiming from God everything the love of a perfect father could give, or the needs he had created in his child could desire That he must not look to himself first for help Or imagine that the divine was only the supplement to the weakness and failure of the human That the highest effort of the human was to lay hold of the divine He learned that he could keep no simplest law in its loveliness Until he was possessed of the same spirit whence that law sprang that he could not love them right, simply, perfectly, unselfishly, except through the presence of the originating love. That the one thing wherein he might imitate the free creative will of God was to will the presence and power of that will which gave birth to his. It was the vital growth of his faith. Even when he was too much troubled to recognize the fact that made him strong in the midst of weakness. When the Son of Man in him cried out, Let this cup pass! the Son of God in him could yet cry, Let thy will be done. He could inhabit trembling and yet be brave. Mrs. Ramshorn. Generally came to the meadow to see how the invalid was after he was settled, but she seldom stayed. She was not fond of nursing, neither was there any need of her assistance, and as Elon never dreamed now of opposing the smallest wish of her brother, there was no longer any obstruction to the visits of Poworth which were eagerly looked for by Leopold one day the little man did not appear but soon after his usual time the still more gnome-like form of his little niece came scrambling rather than walking over the meadow gently and modestly almost shyly she came up to ellen made her a curtsy like a village schoolgirl and said while she glanced at Leopold now and then with a notion of tenderness in her large, clear woman eyes. My uncle is sorry, Miss Lingard, that he can't come to see your brother today, but he is led up with an attack of asthma. He wished Mr Lingard to know that he was thinking of him. Shall I tell you just what he said? Helene bent her neck. She did not feel much interest in the matter. But Leopold said, Every word of such a good man is precious. Tell me, please. Rachel turned to him with the flush of a white rose on her face. I asked him, sir, shall I tell him you are praying for him? And he said, No, I am not exactly praying for him, but I am thinking of God and him together. The tears rose in Leopold's eyes. Wretched lifted a baby hand and stroked the dusky, long-fingered one that lay upon the arm of the chair. "Dear Mister Lingard," she said. Helen stopped in the middle of an embroidery stitch and gave her a look, as if she were about to ask for a testimonials. "I could well wish, if it pleased God." That were as near home as you. Leopold took her hand in his. Do you suffer, then? he said. Just look at me, she answered, with a smile that was very pitiful, though she did not mean it for such, shut up all my life in this epitome of deformity. But I ain't grumbling. That would be a fine thing. My house is not so small, but God can get into it. Only you can't think how tired I often am of it. Mister Wingfold was telling me yesterday that some people fancy Saint Paul was little misshapen, and that that was his thorn in the flesh. I don't think that can be true, for he would never have compared his body as a tabernacle, for old dear. It won't stretch an inch to give a body room. I don't think, either, if that had been the case, he would have said he didn't want it taken off, but another put over it. I do want mine taken off me, and a downright good one put on instead, something not quite so far off your sister's there, Mr Lingard; but I am ashamed of talking like this it came of wanting to tell you i can't be sorry you are going when i should so dearly like to go myself and i would gladly stay a while and that in a house no bigger than yours if i had a conscience of the same sort in my back parlor said leopold smiling but when i'm gone the world will be the cleaner for it do you know about God the same way your uncle does, Miss Bolworth? I hope I do a little. I doubt if anybody knows as much as he does. She returned very seriously. But God knows about us all the same, and He don't limit His goodness to us by our knowledge of Him. It's so wonderful that He can be all to everybody. That is His goodness, you know. We Can't be all to any one person Do what we will we can't let anybody seem to us even We are all in bits and spots But I fancy it's a sign that we come of God that we don't like it How gladly I would help you mr. Lingard, and I can do nothing for you I'm afraid your beautiful sister thinks me very forward, but she don't know what it is to lie awake all night, sometimes, think thinking about my beautiful brothers and sisters, that I can't get near to do anything. Though. What an odd creature! Thought Ellen, to whom a talk conveyed next to nothing. But I dare say they are both out of their minds. Poor things, they must have a hard time of it with one thing and another. I beg your pardon again for talking so much, concluded Rachel, and with a curtsy first to the one then to the other, walked away. Her gait was no square march like her horse, but a sort of sidelong propulsion rendered more laborious by the thick grass of the meadow End of chapter eighty six